Yo, what up? It's your girl, Kilowatt. How are you doing today? What are you thinking about? What's your life like? Tell me all the things. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, so check it out. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a little while now about trauma. Um, the topic of trauma itself has come up a few times today, so I figured, fuck it, where I normally will um, go on and on about, well, like stupid shit that doesn't have anything to do with you guys. I just like to be all self-absorbed in that way. I'm toxic like that, bitches. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I've been triggered. Anyway, um, there is a tendency for me to just like blast rap and loud ass music and then go home and fucking chill out. So today's not the day for that. (laughs) Today is not the day for that. It is going to be the day we discuss trauma and different things about trauma, childhood trauma, uh, traumatic experiences as a grown up, adolescence, the... I guess anxiety that comes along with it, PTSD, complex PTSD, how it'll manifest uh, mental health and antidepressants. So I'm going to throw all that shit out there tonight and you can just keep what you want and leave what you don't. But I was, I was actually watching a number of Ted talks this morning. I'm, I'm trying to find I guess the flavor of how I wanted to discuss this. So I went through and I, I mean, there's so many different things that come across my path as a bus operator in the city. Um, There's so many stories that I get to listen to of people that I know that I don't feel like get a chance to express themselves in a way that you guys would be able to here, you know, like I think some people are a little skittish about talking about things that are so personal um, and things that have affected them as humans, because let's be fucking real. If you're here long enough, you're going to experience a little trauma. There's not anyone on this fucking planet that isn't going to go through it or some type of shit that makes them feel some kind of fucking way. And a prime example of one of my passengers, her name is Brenda. Uh, We discussed different things that happened in our lives. And she mentioned that she found her dad dead when she was 16. And just sort of like how that affected her and PTSD wise, like what that does. Like she talks about walking up to people sleeping and being really freaked out about it because when her dad when she walked up to her dad, it it looked like he was sleeping. And so for her, that sinking feeling in the pit of her stomach where she's like, shit, oh no, it's happening again. Or just that flashback feeling. Sometimes you're not even certain as to why a feeling has swallowed you up whole. Okay. For me, it's people throwing shit across the room. I don't do well. If you throw things across the room, if you fucking throw something, even if it's not in my general direction, I'll be out of there. Like my fight or flight kicks in and I'm fucking gone. So, and it's, it's amazingly impressive how fast my ass moves when I feel like I'm fucking threatened. So needless to say, okay, 
I have a little bit of PTSD from my first marriage, okay? She's got a little bit of shit going on with finding people sleeping. We all have triggers, okay? And that's something that I like to take note of, of things that made us feel real fucking shitty. Like things that fucked with us emotionally, that scarred us on a, on a whole nother level that we aren't ready to comprehend. So we have these tendencies to react when we're being triggered. And one of, like I said, one of my main things is when people who are completely capable play that fucking victim card and act like, you know, poor pitiful me. The, the number one way to get me fucking pissed at you, and this is weird because I shouldn't be, but it happens, uh... And to have me start catching a mad fucking dude is when you are completely capable of doing something, yet you come up with some bitch-ass excuse as to why you can't do it, and why the whole world's out to get you, and why you need more attention than everybody else, and how that's going to work out between me and that person's interaction. Okay, so like, let's say you fucking get on my bus... And you just start making it like a fucking scene about how you need this and that and you got to have that seat, specifically that seat. Uh, And then you go on and on telling me about how everything is bullshit and how the whole world is just out to get you. And that does happen quite a bit. Uh, But I've noticed it's a major trigger of mine because it reminds me of a time in my life where my mom was looking for attention. Okay. And she wasn't getting the amount of like attention or whatever it was that she was looking for in her daily interactions at work. Like she was used to because she had just got a new job and she was still trying not to shake the boat. She didn't want to come across as needy. She didn't want to come across as dramatic or, um, exhausting. So she chose to like put that on me as a kid and it'd be shit like, The last time when we got in a fight, she shows up at my house with groceries. I'm running late for work. I don't have fucking time to go downstairs and bring up the shit you decided to bring to the table. I didn't ask you to get groceries. I'm late. I'm sorry. I can't be that person today. Normally, I'm that fucking person. Right now, I can't be. And I got in a huge fight with her because I could tell she was really put out by the fact that she wasn't going to get any help with the groceries and I wasn't making enough of a scene for her and I didn't make her feel special or valued or cherished. Okay. Um, and so when passengers like very needy older white women, and that's just a trigger for me, it's not that I'm fucking racist. It's just that when my mom did this, she was an older white woman as she still is. But at the time that all these things happened where she made me feel some kind of way, It just sends me back to that place. And I think it's because it happened so many times in my childhood where I was just constantly having, I was being groomed to be reactive to other people's emotional like needs. And so for a long time, I put my own shit down and I dealt with their stuff until I realized that I wasn't doing anyone any fucking favors. And in fact, I was, I was trying to fill a void that could never be filled In essence, when you're trying to get someone to expend a certain amount of energy into your fucking corner, it's because you don't have it inside of yourself to make your own fucking energy, okay? Somebody somewhere told you that you weren't enough, 
that you weren't good enough, that something was damaged inside of you at a young age and you're looking to fill that void through interactions with other people. And I'll tell you right now, it's never going to fucking happen. So it's exhausting and you'll find over time, those type of people have a tendency to completely suffocate the entire room in any conversation. Like they'll roll up and and they'll be like, yo, what's up? I'm going to tell you about me. And then they dip out and it's like, I'm glad that this whole interaction had everything to do with your shit. And I've learned nothing because you just came in and used me as a sounding board and bounced. This wasn't a meaningful interaction. There was no fucking emotion here. It was just you using me for your own personal concept of self. And that's fucking cool if you don't want to really connect with anyone because you're too fucking scared or scarred, perhaps, mistrusting, fearful of other people so much that you can't allow them to get a word in edgewise and you have to completely coordinate the entire experience of just being in their presence, okay? So by saying that, I mean the bitches that get on that got to have one side and not because it's like a safety hazard, but just because they prefer it. So they're going to make the person uh, with seven bags and two kids switch sides, okay? Because they're entitled to it in their fucking mind. And they're going to make the whole bus wait and they're going to make everybody take their time and they're going to have a thousand fucking questions and you're going to have to kiss their ass the whole time because they need you to make them feel like they're okay. And as somebody who grew up a lot of the time feeling like that was my whole fucking purpose, I got a chip on my shoulder about that. I got a chip on my shoulder about entitled motherfucking assholes. So... When I have the experiences with the, with, and it's not just these particular women, that's the wrong way of saying it, but when I have someone who's clearly trying to make it a point that they need extra time, they need tentative care, or I don't know if it's tentative care, but like constant supervision and attention on them, okay? I get triggered. I get triggered like a motherfucker. I get grumpy. And I'm agitated and I'm, and I'm short. And recently I was on the bus with a woman like that and another woman. And one of this, one of my um, passengers, her name is actually, fuck, what's her name? I want to say it's Michelle. I'm probably fucking that up. We're friends on Facebook. She's in front of me. And, um, so please like, forgive me if you're listening. I do apologize. Um, but we were on the bus. We're both being triggered like motherfuckers because she she opened up and told me that she had a lot of issues with her mom and certain things that her mom would do made her feel some type of way to the point where she just couldn't fucking be around her anymore because it was exhausting and there was something about that experience in her childhood that put a bad taste in her mouth and she had no time, no patience, no desire to spend any time with people that reminded her of her mother, okay? Um, and that can be confusing if you, like, still love your fucking mom, because it's your fucking mom. And so anyway, for me, the traumatic experiences that I have can be recreated through a passenger freaking out and throwing shit across the bus, and I'm off the bus. <laughs> or it could be like Brent putting together a fucking washing and dryer machine unit in our apartment, and he's stressed out about everything. 
and pissed about the instructions, so he throws the wrench across the hallway because he's fucking over it. But he doesn't know that, and so I'm, you know, packing my shit up and leaving in two seconds, crying like a fucking crazy person. And he's like, whoa, like, what's going on? That's a trigger. Okay? So when I have a knee-jerk reaction to tell you all about your motherfucking self, it's likely because you're being an entitled asshole. And it's not intentional. I mean, after a little bit of, of thought goes into it, I realize why I felt a certain way. There's unattended wounds that I have on a psychological level that I need to work through about my childhood. And, um, and I shared that with a passenger named Michelle when we were experiencing a lot of agitation over this needy bitch with the Jason mask tattoo or, um, not tattoo. It's a Jason mask on her walker. And so that being said, I, I had to sit back with my passenger, Brenda, and talk with her about her triggers, different things that she does to remedy that, uh, things we'll tell ourselves to just calm ourselves and keep ourselves in that moment. Something I like to do when I'm feeling like I'm being triggered by something that reminds me of my first marriage is naming colors. Like when I get overly anxious and I start to panic or shake and I'm not sure what the fuck is going on with me because it takes me a minute sometimes. uh, I will start like looking around and I'll name five colors that I can see something that I can feel like if that's the air on my face and something that I can hear. Now I don't say it out loud. Like I kind of keep it underneath my breath and I just get it out there because it checks me into now. It checks me into right now. Please excuse me while I light my cigarette and feel free to drink something because I'm going to do both. So just one second. that's better. (sighs) One time I had a passenger get on and she had a really, really scary experience. She was a refugee. I can't remember where she was from, uh, but she opened up to me that she, that she'd been attacked. uh, And it was a very violent attack. And, um, And she explained to me that she'd been triggered all day and that she's just trying to get home. And she got kicked off the last bus because she had an episode where she just started screaming. And it can be really alarming. It can be extremely alarming um, for people when they don't understand what it's like to be triggered like that. Uh, So she starts screaming. And it's scaring, you know, this little kid in the back. And I'm explaining like, yo, she's okay. Like, and I'm trying to get her to like come to and like regain and focus. And then eventually she just excuses herself and gets off. And a passenger came up and they're like, why would you let her ride like that? That was so scary. And I was like, I get that. But she also opened up to me and said, she's got a really extreme trauma event that happened in her life. And that she's just trying to get home and she's going to try and ride for as long as she can until she feels like she's got to get off because she's having flashbacks and her medicine's not working. Um, So educating myself on my passengers and different needs that they have, uh, 
keeps things going smoothly, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, I know my passenger that screamed at that woman that was getting too close to his personal space because he's freaked out about COVID and he's high strung. I know that he feels bad about that experience where he was screaming at her. Uh, so when he gets on again and he's really like ashamed and embarrassed, I don't make him feel like he's got to apologize. I'm very kind to him. I'm consistently kind to everybody that gets on and anybody that I fucking deal with on my daily interaction, unless I'm driving to work, in which case I'm probably a dick. So my bad if if you've ever been stuck behind me in traffic, um, or in front of me, rather, if you're in my way, I will be a total bitch if I'm late. Um, so there's that. I had a little bit of a flashback to when Jacob was first taken in for suicide attempt like three years ago. I mean, it's been going on for a while, right? This has been some time. And, um, I was, I was online last night and there are all these kids that he went to school with that, that I know for fact had prom yesterday. And my kid is still sitting in a psych unit and I am worried every day about him and I don't get any information about how he's doing because nobody will ever fucking call me back. And and Brad explained to me that that's just the, the unit that he's in right now is they're not going to take the time to call us back because at this very moment we're not his legal guardian so they don't see a fucking point. So unless Jake requests it, they're not going to connect him to us. So that feels real fucking bad, right? It feels fucking terrible to know that unless he reaches out, I can't talk to him. And how do I know? What if he is trying to reach out? What if they don't want, you know, to bother and he's just stuck there? Like I can't there up until he gets down to level three again, there's nothing I can fucking do. And I'm not going to be able to get any info on his situation. And meanwhile, the kids that I watched grow up right next to him get to have these normal lives where they go to prom. And my kid's having fucking PTSD flashbacks to when he was six. And he's trying to fucking cut himself. And he's trying to jump out a fucking window and escape. Like, it's bad, right? And I just think about the 130 hours that I accrued at OHSU sitting on a suicide watch with the CNAs of the emergency room. Because every fucking bed in this suicide unit here in Oregon City was full. And I'm dealing with being on the phone with my kid being woken up at two in the morning by hospital staff begging me to try and calm him down or I'm getting calls from 911. And so I thought about it and I realized that that was really traumatic for me. And I didn't take any fucking time to process that. I was too busy trying to keep my shit together and trying to save my fucking marriage or trying to drink all the things away that I didn't fucking look at it and deal with it. And so I'm having a full on crying meltdown last night, realizing that I just missed my kid and I'm worried shitless about him. And I'm holding a big fucking grudge 
to my mom because I felt like the entire time this shit has gone down, she just bounces. Because if it's not self-serving, if it's not going to benefit her any, she's out. And that really fucking triggered me because the majority of my life, I had like an absentee mom who was incredibly selfish and really fucking undercover, like narcissistic at times. And it felt really frustrating. So I don't know if it's the eclipse that's coming up tomorrow. It's right up on my Mercury. And there's, it forms a trine with my Chiron. So it's sort of like having me look into that type of wounding that happens on such a deep level that it's not a superficial cut. Like this is some deep shit that you're going to have to air out. You might have to get a couple dressings. It's going to leave a deep scar if it ever heals, which it may never heal. But through the, you know, the power of observation and self-reflection, you can take interactions with other people and their personal stories and like, oh, look, a fucking dumbass ran a red light to try and, oh, look, he's in the truck. It's the fucking truck guy. God damn it. Hold on. I'm going to pull to the side because I don't want the people. I don't want to be in fucking front of this asshole. I don't. Just a sec. God damn. But back to what I was saying. Um, through the power of like just observing other people's triggers and how it plays out and what their reactions are, you, you could very well come into a place where you're looking at your own personal wounding and you're able to evaluate how you behave when you're being triggered. Why do you behave that way? I have a complete avoidance to, uh, God, this fucking guy, dude, he is hell bent on getting in front of me. I'm gonna move over just a sec. So, sorry, I'm just waiting for traffic to clear. Give me a sec. Ah, sweet. That's right, bitch. You're in front of me now. <laughs> How you like that, motherfucker? I'm not going to sit there all fucking 213 with your goddamn high beams on my ass. I don't fucking think so. So I know you don't like me because I have Black Lives Matter in the back of my car along with a gas mask, which speaks volumes, right? It does. It says a lot. Um, it's very out there. I look like a fucking crazy person. I get that. You look just as crazy waving a fucking Trump flag, okay? Motherfucker lost. Let it go. At least my shit's still current, okay? Anyway. Um... like piping off. Then I wonder why I get banned from fucking Facebook. Anyway, um, so the move is to observe, never to assume that you understand what somebody's been through. Okay. And to allow them to be as they are. When you can allow other people to do that, you can do that for yourself. Sometimes there's a tendency for me to avoid people at all costs. If I feel like at any point in time, they're a threat to my safety, 
uh, I don't fuck with you after that. I don't fuck with you. I don't talk to you. If I have to fuck with you, if like, let's say, I don't know, you're my kid's parent, then I will do the best that I can to avoid you as much as possible, unless it's totally irrelevant pertaining to our child. Okay. Now Brent's never been that, that person I'm talking about Brad. Okay. One thing I can't, I cannot handle is when people step aside and, and love to place judgment. Judging other people is an addiction. So if you've got an addictive personality and you find it necessary to completely label people as toxic, narcissistic, um, pieces of shit, garbage. When I go back and I think about all the times that I made those assumptions about K2, okay? I realized that I was coming from a place of just being really hurt. And the wound hadn't even fully stopped bleeding yet, okay? And then I got her showy ass, like, making out with my fucking husband. And it sucks, right? It hurts. But after some time and thought and a little bit of just reflection on it, I can put it aside. And I realized that she's just very threatened by the fact that we're still married and... And she didn't, maybe she didn't get the full picture of how we were still fucking around when they were talking. I don't know. I'm going to try to assume not the worst, right? But it's really difficult for me to get any type of positive opinion of her when every time I turn around, she's posted shit. And yeah, I still check because that's just something that I do. And I think I'm going to do it until I get over this. Um, But every time I turn around, if I ever look at her shit, it's like she's talking about toxic people. And I think to myself, man, you're really good at writing people off and never, ever thinking to to yourself like this person is a person, right? Maybe I would have been a little less toxic if you weren't being a showy bitch after the knife was just plunged into my fucking heart. Maybe when you didn't feel so entitled to my fucking husband, regardless of how you saw it, I wouldn't have been such an asshole to you. And I wouldn't have fucking apparently shattered whatever sense of self you fucking built up because clearly you were threatened and you had to, there was like some type of moment where you were like, I shall take her down. And it was like everything that you did at that point, everything that you said was geared directed at me. And it was like this weird circus. And I thought about it and I think about the people that I interact with and I realized that if I were to interact with them in the same way, right? Like, let's say somebody comes on and they're a total dick to me and I act like a dickhead back. That's not going anywhere. I don't learn shit about it. So earlier this week, after I took some time to reflect about the woman with the fucking Jason mask who triggered me and my passenger, Brenda, or Michelle, sorry, uh, I decided to just give it a whirl. I was like, yo, you want some fucking attention. I know, I know your goddamn game. Let's give you some attention. Let's find out a real genuine connection and have story time. And I discovered that this woman, her name is Rose. Okay. She had a husband for 47 years. Okay. She's 71. And her husband died this last year. And she's now without somebody to drive her around. He had a heart attack. It was sudden. She didn't see it coming. 
And she cried herself to sleep every night. And her kids are too busy to talk to her. And I quickly realized that Brenda was a needy bitch because she was lonely. And she didn't understand how to interact with other people because she was so used to having her husband. And I thought about what that might be like, right? I put myself in her shoes and I was quick to realize that had Kayla or K2 just done that for me, we wouldn't be where we are today. There wouldn't be any fucking jabs. There wouldn't be any hashtag I said what I said. There'd be no animosity. I could go to the birthday party for Braylon in June and I wouldn't have to worry about staring down my fucking in-laws because they can take somebody that has hurt me on such a major level, like of offense, right? Like not only did you fucking take my goddamn husband and this is in my brain, right? Like I had told Brent before, it's entirely possible for two people to have a different perception of the same reality. Okay, so for you, you might have been real fucking done. But how many times did we break up and get back together, dude? Like, had I actually felt like that was a real possibility, I think I probably would have taken it better. Okay? But I can't go to a fucking birthday party with my in-laws that have taken this girl in and completely disregarded my child's feelings of confusion over the whole thing. I mean, I can't imagine what Braylon must feel like watching my fucking mother-in-law cradle this bitch's face in her hands and tell her she loves her and she's so special and welcome. Like, bitch, you did the same thing to me. Okay. And I'll tell you what, the day I got married to Brent, she said, you're mine now. And I'll tell you what, if, if this is how you take care of people in your family, this is what you fucking do. Thanks for checking in on me, man. Thanks for making sure my kid isn't feeling confused. Thanks for using every example of what not to do in a really toxic situation and make it totally weird for a kid. Like, why not mention to your kid, to your son, yo, maybe not bring her up on Mother's Day. That might make things feel weird. That's right. She she got to be with my in-laws and my child on Mother's Day. That's not weird. That's not fucking weird at all, right? Meanwhile, I'm working. So that's that's one of the things. You know, that's just it's just the It's just the fucking point of like, yo, that's pretty offensive. You didn't think about that? You didn't put yourself in my shoes and consider that that maybe Mother's Day should be off the weekend? No. No, no. It's always about your shit. And then her recent post where she was like, yo, and I know this seems like it's all about K2, so I'll get over it soon. Um, I'll summarize. There's a recent post where she was talking about enabling and how we're all grown-ups and now she doesn't care if she hurts my feelings. And it's not, maybe it wasn't even directed at me, but it was the, it was that moment where I was like, you know what? I really don't think at any point in time you ever considered my feelings throughout this entire process. You not a, not a single time, not once did you consider my fucking feelings. So to say, I don't care about your feelings anymore is a fucking lie. And it's hilarious even to hear it. Okay. I don't, I don't think I've ever had a moment throughout this ordeal where my feelings were ever considered. If anything, there's been a lot of coddling for you. So I'm just saying, all right, you never cared about my feelings. And so for the record, 
I said what I said. And I just, I wish that maybe that time had come because enough time has passed and offensive have, offenses have been taken against me and my character and labeling me toxic that I'm never going to, I'm never going to sit across a fucking table from you ever. I'll never look you in the fucking eye. You don't get an ounce of my time and I don't care if my daughter wants me there at that birthday party. I'm not going to fucking do it. It's the principle, man. I'm not going to fucking do it. So everybody can enjoy Braylon's birthday party. I'm no fucking guess in my brain or no doubt on my mind if that bitch is going to be there. I'm not going to be there. I won't, I won't entertain any drama. None of it. I will never speak to you. I'm not going to fuck with you ever. Okay. And so it just, it's, it's amazing to me that concept that, that the opportunity was there had you just chosen to be kind and consider my feelings throughout this whole thing. I mean, honestly, if you're such a grown up, I thought maybe you could possibly do that, but no. So you talk a lot and act a lot like you know what it's like to go through some trauma, but I haven't seen you share anything real specific, you know? I mean, I just want to know some details, but I'll never get that, and that's fine. Um, so, the move, okay, is not to assume you know anything about the other person. And one thing that I read in The Mastery of Love, something that made me cry, something that I tried to share with my friend, my other passenger, was that we're never going to know anyone on this planet. It doesn't matter how much you love them. You're never going to know them because you're not them. You're never going to know the ways that they hurt. You're never going to know the ways that they triumph and overcome and grow to be resilient and strong and kind and loving. You're never going to know these things or how they feel because you're not fucking them. So to assume that a person, all they could ever be is toxic is fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's a level of hurt that happens in people that that has them acting out of sorts. I mean, we see it in fucking serial killers all the time, right? That doesn't mean that their behavior is acceptable. No. And to have it continue, absolutely not. But no longer am I taking any more jabs at this bitch. And I say bitch with no animosity. (laughs) Just how I talk. Uh, I'm just not going to do it. The only time that I'll respond is if I feel like it's a personal thing where she's just constantly trying to get at me. And I feel on an energetic level that that is the case and that she's very threatened by me. And I don't blame her. I really don't. I mean, I'd be super fucking threatened at the knowledge that my fucking person who I'm calling my person had 14 years with another woman and had a child with her and that she hates my guts, right? And that she talked mad shit about me in the beginning and how everything went down. And that her and I got into it. I'd be super fucking threatened to that person. And the fact that she said some real sharp cutting words that made me feel like I wasn't good enough or had me triggered. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be really threatening. So I'm, I put myself in that situation. At the same time, I have to ask myself... Is there any way to resolve this? Is there any way to get past?
pass this time? And, and my answer is just that time will have to pass by. I'm never going to talk to her. I'm not going to fuck with her. I've already made my choice. I'm not going to fuck with this bitch ever. But it doesn't have to be in a place where we're constantly going back and forth. Like this, take one shot, I'll take two. I said what I said, what I said, what I said. Bitch, we're going to be talking for fucking ever. I'm tired. Are you tired? I'm tired. (laughs) I got some shit to sort through. If you want to go make out with my husband, go for it. He's not going to be my husband that much longer. Then I'll stop saying that. But in my mind, he's my husband, you know? It's just what it is. 14 years, that's my person. And now he's bounced and moved on to someone else in a hot, hot second. If not interchangeable, overlapping. Um, for someone who's got nothing but complete disrespect for me. So, yeah, it hurts like a bitch, man. It hurts like a major bitch. And so I'm just, I'm just sorting through my shit, man. I, I got my kid that I'm worried about. I got passengers that fucking trigger the shit out of me and I'm thinking about shit with my mom. And then at at the same time, I'm trying to figure out where the fuck I'm going to live. Like, it's stressful as shit out here, man. But I did have a passenger get on my bus that apologized for freaking out on me. And I suppose he might have been triggered because I I said openly, look, I'm not interested in dating. I don't want to do that. This is not happening. And I'm sure he got really hurt over it. I'm sure he was very hurt over it. And um, and he got triggered and he reacted because he was hurt. And after he said what he said, I blocked him. I didn't talk to him. I didn't say shit. I just let it go because I'm not going to have that. I don't need any more of that. You know, I got enough of that, right? Um, and then I picked him up today and like any other fucking grown-up... I put my game face on and I acted like it was no thing. It ain't no thing but a chicken wing, motherfucker. But he took the time to come up to me by my fare box and genuinely apologize. Getting an apology could possibly be something that would resolve this. I think if I were to get a genuine apology, like an actual statement where she had a moment and said, you know what, maybe I don't actually know you. Maybe we've never met. Maybe I've never spoken to you and taken time to know you. I've heard about you. I influenced your husband to fucking leave you. I mean, if there was a moment in time where she acknowledged that there were boundaries literally just infringed upon, okay? Maybe if he took the time to apologize to me for everything the way that it went down and hurting me to the level of which he did, I could move on from this and I could forgive both of them. But I know that they're too fucking proud for that. They're too proud. I think maybe if there was ever a moment where he thought he was going to jump ship and come back to me, the second that that bitch called me and told me to leave him alone and I called him freaking out, he realized he had to pick a side and he picked the wrong one. (laughs) Because now he's just got that chick. And I'm sorry, but I don't know any rebound relationships that fucking make it for the long haul unless they get pregnant and have to get married right away. I don't know any fucking rebound relationships that make it, man. I just don't. Just one moment. So. When it comes down to being triggered. And mental health. It's about identifying. 
that moment, that thing, that person, that feeling that takes over and steals your focus, okay? When people have schizophrenia, they have to understand what their hallucinations are, okay? What is it that I am seeing that's not actually there? What am I imagining that's not real? I watched a TED Talk today about a woman with schizophrenia. Sorry, this fucking... God, I can't stand these goddamn LED lights. She's got schizophrenia, okay? And she constantly sees a red... Like a clown that looks like uh, the one in that movie, It. Okay? Sees it everywhere she goes. She said she sees it right now. It's in the audience. And it doesn't matter how much medication she takes. She described it as... A nightmare she couldn't wake up from, okay? Sometimes it'll stab her in the face. Sometimes it will jump out of the closet and try and scare her. And it's like having this creepy fucking clown 24-7 is really hard to ignore. Made it almost impossible for her to get through college. And ironically, schizophrenia has a tendency to show up in late teens, mid-teens, early 20s, right in the middle of college age. You would assume there'd be a nonprofit that reached out for mental health to give resources to students who are suffering with schizophrenia. Because can you imagine a life with a fucking it clown bouncing all over the place and stabbing you in the face or tiny spiders and shit like that? I see my passengers that have these things and I know I know because I watch them talk to the windows. I watch them step back and like they see something that's scary and they'll tell me, sorry, I have schizophrenia, like that type of shit. Okay. I understand because I see it. I've observed it and I allowed them to do what they needed to do to be okay. Now, if part of my trigger is being reminded that my child is not having a normal childhood right now, okay? That he's in a psych ward. That he's not having prom. He's not going to be going to prom, at least not this year, and he's 17 this year. When I have to be reminded that my child is not having a normal life, and it triggers me to feel a large amount of grief and remorse over the experiences he'll never have. If I need to take time and just be quiet and not talk to anybody and just take a step back and evaluate how I feel and how I'm going to sort through this and how I got to where I'm at right now and just being stable, like on an emotional level, I mean, I had a lot of nights where I was pulling at my heart, wishing I could rip it out of my chest because it fucking hurt so bad. And that wasn't just for Brent. That was for my son and everything that he's not going to have right now and everything that I wish I could give him. When I have those moments, okay, I allow myself to just be vulnerable. I allow myself to do what I need to do. If that means take a hot shower, take a little longer getting ready for bed, Not responding to text messages, not answering phone calls, just checking out for the night. I allow myself to do what I need to do to be okay. 
I'm not going to fuck with other people and how they choose to heal. I'm not going to step back and judge them on how they're dealing with their goddamn trauma memories. Okay. I don't do that. And no one should ever do that. And I think it's completely wrong to walk into this world and, and just take joy in judging people and comparing ourselves to other people whose lives we haven't fucking lived. I would never take a time and be like, yo, what I'm doing is better than what you're doing because motherfucker's not me and I'm not them. I would never take a moment in my life and compare myself to another human and be like, I'm clearly better. No, no, I'm not better. I could do shit different. Maybe they should do shit different. That could resolve some issues, but it is what it is. And so I'm trying to just talk myself through this time where I had these knee-jerk things where I, I'd get baited into acting lower than I am, okay? Or quote-unquote stooping to their level, right? Because that was their favorite fucking thing to say at the very beginning of this. It was like the shit that she would say to me was the same. It was like verbatim. It was like they were so in sync and they were so close and so obsessed with each other at the very beginning that I felt like every time I talked to Brent, shit would come out of his mouth that she had said to me specifically verbatim, like words he never fucking used before. And I knew immediately what fucking happened. I was like, oh, that bitch doctor filled my husband and bounced in because she saw somebody she wanted and she took it because she's a fucking Leo. And apparently that's how we operate here. God, dude, Leos, man. I love Leos, but I fucking hate Leos, dude. I can't. Some some level of entitlement is there that will never be acceptable in my book. And I just, it is what it is. So moving on, I just wanted to share that experience where I, I was triggered about my mom. I was being triggered about Jake. I was experiencing, you know, different interactions with passengers where they shared with me things that, that they wouldn't share with other people. You know, finding your dad dead, having a husband of 47 years die unexpectedly, leaving you to ride the bus and your kids don't fucking talk to you. Like, there's some trauma out there that we know nothing about. People have been human trafficked. Like, it's real, okay? So don't pretend like you know better. Don't pretend like you know what the fuck they've been through. And don't act like what they're doing is wrong. Unless you're out there in their fucking face asking for it. Don't be surprised. I mean, if they act unexpectedly and then surprise you. I mean, maybe the person that you're fucking with isn't that bad. Personal thoughts. Anyway, I gotta, I'm gonna pull Braylon in. And I will talk to you guys later. Love you. Bye.